When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code RICHARD. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code RICHARD. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources the volume championship that should always be the expectation i ain't mad at you go ahead we are back live here from the win. The Richard Sherman podcast went from virtual to in person. Richard, let's talk a little bit about these awards. I know I know you weren't the biggest fan of Lamar Jackson winning the MVP. Let's just start right there, though. What are your thoughts on him taking home the hardware at NFL Honors last night? Well, congratulations to Lamar Jackson. He took home his second MVP almost unanimous again. It, again, the numbers weren't there for me, but he won the award. So congratulations. I wasn't as as <clears throat> irritated about that one as I was some of the others. You know, I thought defensive rookie of the year should have probably went to Witherspoon. I thought he had a fantastic year in Seattle. I thought he made a lot of great plays. I think I think Will Anderson benefited from obviously Houston's run late. He played really well late in the season. But I thought he'd be at least second. You know, it's kind of weird. Jalen Carter kind of kind of slowed down throughout the season and I didn't think he was going to get it, but you know, obviously some of these voters were, were already, you know, their minds were already made up. Uh, coach of the year. I'm just trying to figure out how Stefanski keeps getting it. He's gotten it two out of the last four years. I'm not saying he didn't do a great job. You get into your fourth string quarterback and still making the playoffs and play as well as they did. Defense played incredibly. Uh, shout out to Swartz and what he was able to do with that Cleveland defense. But I'm just trying to figure out how you keep getting coach of the year when your team isn't winning divisions, they're not winning Super Bowls, they're not win- really not winning anything. They got put out in the first round of the playoffs. So it's like, what <clears> – <throat> I mean, 
I watched Cal take a team with a, a mystery relevant third string quarterback to a, a NFC Championship last year, and they didn't. I don't even think it was top three in Coach of the Year. And so there's some weird bias there um, where you're, you're like, hey, if they have a talented team, then they can't win it. But <clears throat> you got to play in <clears throat> some weird place like Cleveland to, to win it. Well, it comes down to expectations. <clears throat> and that's why, you know, a guy like Kyle Shanahan can't win the award because they expect him to be in this position. Right. And, and that's, it's, it is kind of BS. And you're right. What about my boy Dan Campbell? Right. I mean, come on now. I mean, this guy has changed the culture of Detroit football. He's changed the culture of Detroit, for God's sake. Not even the football team, but the city, you know. Here's a guy that absolutely deserves it. Um, Kevin Stefanski, I will say, Richard, they have overcome so many odds. I mean, you lose Nick Chubb to a, a, a brutal knee injury. Obviously, you lose the quarterback to Sean Watson and, and insert Joe Flacco. That, that's why That's why. Stefanski was in this conversation in the first place, but you're right. It is a little odd that he took it home. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's had it, you know, interesting. I'm just trying to figure out how they're voting for it because D'Amico Ryan took a really – I mean, he took a team that was picking in the top five in the draft twice right? Um, to a to a playoff and then won a playoff game. You know, not that you they're voting after the playoffs, but it's like what, 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 are you, what is the criteria? This is a team that had no business being anywhere near a playoff let alone winning a division uh, in this co- coach's first year as a head coach with a first-year quarterback with a young defense, young receivers who played outside of their minds. Great scheme. You had their OC getting head coach interviews. I mean, you, you give him all the credit in the world, but then you give it to Stefanski. It just leaves you scratching your head. Stefanski already, already won one. You should kind of <clears throat> not take him out of the discussion, but – some, somebody else's turn, because obviously other, these other guys are doing a good job. Dan Campbell had his team second seed for a while. I mean, they end up the third seed, but get two home playoff games. He deserved a ton of credit. But then, you know, Kyle Shanahan and, and, and John Harbaugh deserve nothing. It's like, hey, you got great teams, and they played great. So, you know, thumbs up to you. No, give them coach of the year. That's why, that's why these teams, it, it takes talent to take a team that's supposed to get there where they're supposed to go. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. And you're, I mean, looking at the Niners, they had to overcome some adversity. I mean, what they went on a three-game losing streak is right. streak in the middle of the season. I mean, that's not easy to overcome. They battled injuries. Trent Williams was out. Debo was banged up. You know, so you're right. But Richard, outside of these awards, we saw a lot of movement recently. This this coaching carousel. I mean, we've seen a lot of landing spots take place. What are some of the things that stand out to you? I mean, what? Let's start with Jim Harbaugh. What do you think about him going to the Chargers? I know you just got a nice little text from him today, which is right, right. beyond odd. Yeah, we we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that a story for a different day. You guys want to see entertainment. Um, Jim Harbaugh is going to be on our podcast at some point this offseason, um, his words. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Going to be very fun and interesting. I can't wait. But I think it's a good fit. I think he felt like he did everything he needed to do at Michigan. Obviously, sure. he said he would restore them to glory. He definitely restored them to glory. He took them to the playoffs a few years in a row, beat Ohio State three years in a row, won a national championship. There's nothing else to prove there. He wants to come back to the NFL, win a Lombardi trophy, and, and that's his words. He says you can't win a Lombardi trophy in college. He's right. He's walking into a situation that could be one of the most talented teams in football if you look at it on paper. Now, they have some cap obstacles that they're going to have to work through. I think there's $30, $30 million cap hits for three of the four, three or maybe four guys. If you look at Justin Herbert, uh, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, 
and uh, Keenan Allen. I think all of their cap hits are around $30 million. So you got to find a way to either lower them or eliminate them all together. You know, you, you see them starting conversations about trading Khalil Mack, who's coming off a career year with 15 or 17 sacks. I think he might have ended with 17 sacks. But he's coming off a career year. Um, they're trying to get off of that. Um, Joey Bosa may need to be moved or, or cut. And if he if he's cut, I, again, would look at the San Francisco 49ers as a potential landing spot if he's willing to take – any type of pay cut. Um, obviously, he's been in California his whole career. Just move up north. <laughs> I know you would love that. Six hours. His brother would love it. Um, I'm sure the San Francisco 49ers would love it. The Bosas would love it. Their parents wouldn't have to split games anymore. You guys, one-stop shop. Just go on ahead to <laughs> San Jose Airport and get to Santa Clara. Um, but I think it's a great fit. I think he's going to bring Greg Roman in. He's going to bring in some of the guys from Stanford. He has done a great job putting together great staffs. That's something that – he is abreast at um, at putting together great staffs and, and getting the most out of his players. He's going to get the most out of Justin Herbert. He's going to get the most out of that defense. That defense isn't going to be as bad as they have been because they're too talented to be that bad. So I think that's a great fit. Some of the head scratchers were Tennessee Titans and Callahan. Like I felt like they went downhill. Like, right. How do you how do you fire Vrabel and then hire a guy who, who's not even calling the plays for his well, team and and a team that he was a part of wasn't the great wasn't like one of the best offenses in the National Football League. Mike Vrabel is one of those guys, too. It's like, I, I get it. They started losing games, but he had always put them, in my opinion, <laughs> overachieved with that roster. You know, Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback, and, and he's, you know, leading them to, in the playoffs. The word on Mike Vrabel, and I'm shocked he's out of a job right now, right. is that he was too intimidating. Like, Richard, this is football. What do you mean, too intimidating? Mitchell, when you get to the point where you're saying a head coach is too intimidating to for a GM or a front office or an owner, then, Mitchell, we're in a bad place because that's not an organization that's looking where their first priority is winning. Your first priority is comfort, apparently, because I don't hear players complaining about Mike Vrabel intimidating him. I thought he got the most out of these teams, the most out of these players. They were in games they had no business being in with a young quarterback and Will Levis. Uh, you know, their offensive coordinator, their weapons aren't the greatest outside of Derrick Henry. And so I thought he maximized what they had. And so to fire him, and there were some conversations that him and Rand Carthen may not have gotten along, may not have seen eye to eye on some things. If that's the case, then I can understand that. But the them picking Callahan, because it seemed like their owner was like, hey, I need to get out in this coaching search because there are so many big names out there. We don't want to miss out on, on a Jim Harbaugh or, or Bill Belichick's out there. Now Pete Carroll's out there or, or even Mike McDonald or Ben Johnson. You know, there are names out yeah. there. We want to throw our hat in the ring early so those guys know we have an opening. We want you. But then to hire Callahan, you're like, wait a minute. Let me, let, let me add up this. So you're saying Eric Bieniemy <clears throat> didn't get a job because he didn't call the place. But you're going to give a guy a job who's not only not in the Super Bowl, not even in the playoffs this year, and he doesn't even call the place. You're like, he helps with calling the place. It's like, okay, but he's going to be your head coach now running everything, and you're sure this is the guy you want to go with. This is the guy you, you fired Vrabel to go after. You're going to, whatever you get in Tennessee is what you deserve. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Dave Canales, I like that. Uh, I think he's one of the young, bright minds in the National Football League. Obviously, he was with us in Seattle. Yep. Great man, believes in his faith, great human being. I love it for Carolina. Young team, he'll be great for Bryce. Um, I think he'll get that team where they need to be. <sighs> what Richard, on Dave Canales, what he did this year in Tampa Bay right. with that roster, <clears throat> with, with Baker Mayfield having a resurgence right. in, in his career – that is beyond impressive, man. I mean, that does not go overlooked. This Panthers job is one that's a little dicey, though, because they don't have a first-round pick. They gave it to the Bears. Right. They got Bryce Young, who <clears throat> at times looked like he didn't belong on the field this year, right. but he's still got all the talent in the world. What do, I mean, what do you what do you make of Dave Canales? Can he can he bring the Panthers back to life here? I think he'll he'll have a great opportunity to. I, it's just the patience of Tepper. You know, is he going to be patient right. right now? We're in an age where nobody's patient. Nobody's going to give anybody time to develop. You didn't used to fire coaches after four and 12, five and 12 season in your first year and say, <clears throat> that's, <clears throat> we already know he's not the answer. It's like, well, you didn't get, give a chance to find out. If, if all the greatest coaches of all times were fired after their first years, Mitchell, we never have great coaches because you got to let them develop. You got to let them learn from their mistakes, correct things, be better. You're not giving these guys a chance to be better or correct anything. You're like, hey, he's not the immediate answer, then. Find the immediate answer. And it's like you're not giving – nobody feels confident going into Carolina and thinking, hey, I'm going to have a chance to develop these guys, to draft guys, to develop a culture, and get it done. You're going into every guy game thinking, i got to go for it on fourth down because they may fire me by by the sixth game if we're on six. Even though we don't have the most talented team, even though I haven't been given the best circumstances, if I don't show this man we can win, he's going to fire me. And when you when you coach like that – it's, it's hard to see you getting the best out of anybody. So that's the one concern I have about Tepper. He's what he's he's fired six coaches yeah. in six years. Or- it's unbelievable. I mean, <clears throat> Dan Campbell started out, I think, 0-7 with Detroit. <clears throat> and, I mean, and the fan base is like, we hired the wrong guy. This guy's talking about biting off kneecaps. And 
and doing all this and look at him now, you know, and, and now he's totally revitalized that organization. And to your point, patience is key. Dave Canales looks like a guy that, you know, has a good bright future here. How about the Washington Commanders? They go with your guy, DQ, Dan Quinn, and they bring in Cliff Kingsbury as the OC and what looks to be a move to possibly get Caleb Williams over there. Richard, what do you think of DQ? Is he gonna is he gonna make some noise over there in Commanders? I think he's gonna be fantastic, Mitchell. I think he's a fantastic pick for defensive coordinator. I mean, for head coach, because of the way he calls the defensive coordinator, he gets the most out of his players. He'll call the defense. Um, I think Cliff Kingsbury is a great play developer. You know, he's a guy that draws up a great scheme. I think he didn't have the quarterback he needed in Arizona to be successful. I think he'll he'll find a quarterback in Washington. I don't know if he'll get Caleb Williams to be because I think Chicago's asking price will be too much, and I think the the teams that are willing to answer that asking price are plentiful. Not that I even believe Caleb Williams is the answer for a lot of these teams. I think he's a shorter quarterback who's going to struggle early on in the National Football League, and if you have these otherworldly expectations for him, he's going to disappoint because he's going to need time to develop. He's going to need playmakers around him. That's the hard thing about being a, a, a great quarterback coming out. You know, because they expect you to be so great. That's why it's a blessing to be a, a Brock Purdy type, where you just got to go to the right team. He went to a team that was stacked, that was winning, that had great culture, bang. Usually when you're a top pick, you're going to a bad team that right. just changed coaches, that just changed staffs, that just got a new regime, that clearly isn't playing very well. And you have to find a way to make that work. And so I think best case scenario is he gets picked by a great team, by a team that has – some structure in place. I think Sean Payton is going to make a run for him. He's somebody that's spoken highly about him throughout, even before he was in the national, before he was a head coach. I think that's a situation that he's going to try to trade. I mean, he may trade um, Sertan, yeah, to try to move up to get Caleb Williams. You know, don't you know? I haven't heard this. I didn't anything. Now, I'm not in their building, but that's something I would expect to be offered on draft day. Sertan, their first and maybe a first from the next year to get in a position to draft a quarterback that he thinks is the best quarterback available. Um, and I think other teams will make that same move. I don't know if, if the commanders have enough to, to make that, you know, to make that kind of offer that would really move the Chicago Bears. And maybe they don't make the offer at all. Maybe they sit, sit pat and say, hey, I think we'll get the right guy at two. What Chicago, and this, this scares me as a fan of the Detroit Lions and the NFC North, this offseason for the Chicago Bears – is a crucial one because they've got a lot of good pieces. You know, their management has done a really, really good job in terms of assembling assets. Right. They got the first overall pick. They got the ninth pick. They don't necessarily need a quarterback. Right. They could take a King's ransom and still move down and get a, another quarterback in Drake May. What they do here, it, it could change the landscape of the NFC North, in my opinion. But, Richard, we saw another former player stick around in Las Vegas here. With the Raiders, Antonio Pierce, I mean, he proved himself as the interim head coach last year, and he got the job ultimately. I mean, your thoughts on him sticking around here with the Raiders? I thought that was the right move. Now, did I think the Raiders had much choice? No, I didn't. Um, not only because Max Crosby said he's going to ask for a trade if you don't, if you don't, <laughs> you don't want him if out you don't of hire time. him, uh, you can't have that. But they don't have any money to do anything else. Mitchell, Mark, Mark Davis has tried his best to – to, to take the young, the next hot coach. He took Gruden and tried to say, hey, we want stability. I want to give him confidence he's going to be here. I'm going to sign him to a 10-year deal. Sign him to a 10-year deal. The problem with that is, Mitchell, is if you have to fire him at year three, you got to pay him the rest of the deal. Yeah. 
So they're paying they're paying John Gruden to not be there coaching for the Raiders. Then you say, we're going to hire Josh McDaniel. I thought that was a mistake. I don't think Josh McDaniel is a head coach. I think he's a fine coordinator. I think he's fine at putting together an offense, putting together a first 15 play sheet, but it's not great at leading a full team. Then you fire him. You decide he's not the answer. And you had somebody in-house that took your team to the playoffs that guys believed in that you said, hey, he's not the answer. We're going to go with Josh McDaniel. Then you fire him two years into a six-year deal. So now you're paying two coaches roughly $25 million a year that aren't coaching for you. So now you get Antonio Pierce in there, and he's doing a great job motivating them. He beat your division rival in the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that's in the Super Bowl right now. And you sit there and say, hey – why are our guys celebrating with cigars the first day this guy is hired like we just got the best coach we've ever had? Sometimes you got to listen to your locker room and say, it's a reason why these guys are gravitating to this man. Maybe you can surround him <clears throat> with guys that have been head coaches before so he has the structure, he has a support system so he doesn't make mistakes. So then you hire guys like Marvin Lewis, which they did, as somebody to consult, somebody that – can assist him in situations where it gets kind of kind of sticky that he hasn't experienced before. But you got to listen to your locker room. And, and also, Mitchell, he's going to be the most inexpensive option. Right. He's going to be the most inexpensive option because he's already in-house. He's not getting a ton of other, other shots. It's your first time. We're giving you your shot. You want to be here. We want you to be here. You're probably taking less than $10 million, I would imagine. And – Compared to Ben Johnson's of the world who were looking for 15 to $18 million, we'll take that as a bargain. No question. And it looks like he's bringing in his buddy Chad Ochocinco, too. So right. we shall see. Richard, I, I think one of the, uh, I don't want to say awkward, but more, I don't think we saw it coming, was, was Bill Belichick. You know, hottest name on the market, leaves, leaves New England. Mayo inserts himself in there. Um, Bill Belichick is still free on the market. Do you see him landing anywhere, you know, next offseason? I, I know the knock on him is, hey, <clears throat> if I fire this guy, if I hire this guy, I might have to fire myself because he's coming for my job too. Right. Like, when does that change? Well, it, it, when Bill Belichick changes it. And I think that's the only way he gets another opportunity is if he changes his approach to coaching. If he says, I'm just going to coach the team. I'll have input just like any other head coach and who we draft. I'll have conversations, but I don't have to be the end-all, be-all. And if he decides that and he goes in with that kind of humility and understanding, then he'll get another job. If he goes in saying, hey, I got to be the president, the GM, I got to be the judge, jury, and executioner, then he probably will never coach again in the National Football League. But if he can go in and say, hey, I know what my reputation says, but I'm, I'm coming in here to make these men better, to develop this team, and to take them to a championship. You can keep your GM. You can keep your president. Sure, I would like to have some input in those decisions, but I don't have to have all those titles attached to my name. Then he'll get a shot. But I just don't see any team changing their culture to bring him in and changing their structure to bring him in and do that. I think that he does a great job drawing up defensive game plans, making sure that they're in great positions. He's drawn up some unbelievable plans in Super Bowls, even this year, with with less talent than some of these teams that they're playing. But I just don't see any team giving him the keys to the castle and saying, here, go have fun. I think think Raheem Morse was the right job, was the right guy for the job in Atlanta. You know, three black coaches getting hired in the hiring cycle. Mitchell, we're in a different place. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm grateful for the place we're in. Gerard Mayo getting hired and and 
Boston, Massachusetts was was. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how that media responds to him if they don't go to the playoffs this year. You know, I'm not saying it may get ugly. I'm saying it's going to be different than the way they handle Bill Belichick when things get ugly because he he rarely had bad seasons. Um, but I think that he'll get another shot if he can do it a different way than he's done it. But right now, he hasn't proven that. Well, you, talk, you talked about Raheem Morris, and Atlanta's an interesting job because they got a lot of pieces. Bajan Robinson, Drake London. These guys just seem to be so underutilized, you know, misused. Right. What is Raheem Morris going to have to do to change the trajectory of the Atlanta Falcons? Because they do have a lot of pieces in place, maybe outside of the quarterback. He's going to have to do what he's done, Mitchell. He's a great leader of men, and he showed that. I think his most marvelous coaching job of his career was last year with the, with the L.A. Rams. Because they didn't have the talent. They didn't have the most talented defense in the world. They didn't have all these world beaters. Sure, they had Aaron Donald, but, you know, Aaron Donald was kind of in the twilight wondering if he's going to retire or not. But Raheem had these guys playing incredible football, inspired football. Him and Sean both had it. And so if you can get that out of those guys, I think you'll be able to get that out of anybody. And they have talented guys, and they they need a quarterback. I don't think Desmond Ritter is the answer. I don't believe um, Heineke's the answer. But I think if anybody's going to get the best out of him, it's going to be him. And I know that he's going to bring McVay and Shanahan's scheme to Atlanta. They're going to use Bajan Robinson in a lot of ways. They got Kyle Pitts. They got weapons. Drake London, we talked about it. They got um, A.J. Terrell, friend yep. of the program, yep. on the other side. They got some talent, but you need a leader of men to be able to get the most out of these guys. And for a while, they were in the playoff race in the NFC South because it was just so down. But – I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do because I think he's going to be able to move the the needle for this team. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. And the other one, the big one, up in Seattle. You know, what, what are your thoughts on their move? Pete Carroll, obviously, I, I know it's, it's got to be a little emotional to see him leave. I know he meant so much to you in your career. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about what Pete meant to you as, as a head coach, and then we'll talk a little bit about the new guy. Yeah, I, I think Pete was an incredible leader of men. He established such an incredible culture in Seattle that it still resonates to this day. Young men still come and speak, speak to this team about the culture that he built. The men that that he coached still come into the building and try to make a difference and try to help. Um, and even in their coaching search this year, while they were searching for their next head coach, a lot of it was culture. A lot of it was, hey, we have established a very positive and, and encouraging culture here. We don't want somebody to come in here and change that. We're looking for a little bit more accountability. We're looking for a little bit more of a, 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 a not a heavy-handed approach, but just – a more strict regimen, you know, tighter ship uh, than Pete started to run at the end. But for the most part, in terms of culture and the way that he did things, the way he talked to players, the way he communicated, I think he did a fantastic job. And and so did Jody Allen and, and so did John Snyder. So that's the conversations that they're having with their head coach, their potential head coaches when they come in. I think Mike McDonald is one of the, the most brilliant defensive minds in National Football League right now. And I think the reason that they brought him in is because he's so ingenuitive. If you watch the tape and you watch his defense perform, you'll have – there'll be six to seven guys on the line of scrimmage and you will not know what positions they're playing or who's blitzing or who doesn't. Not that that's incredibly unique. There are a lot of teams that do that, but the way he did it, the way that he utilized Kyle Hamilton, at, at times he's playing safety, normal safety. At times he's playing linebacker. I saw him play D-end at times, nickel – and when when you see a guy like that, it's hard to peg that defense. Like I, I'm watching defense and I'm sitting there like, wait, is Roquan Smith at nickel right now? Like there's no way, there's no way he's the middle field safety. And so when you can't peg a defense, it makes them very difficult to prepare for. It makes them very difficult to create blocking schemes for because you can't predict who's blitzing, who's not blitzing. Jadavion Clowney's at nose tackle. You're like, I don't know what to tell the center at that at that point in time. Pray. You know what I mean? I hope you're a religious man um, because you're going to need whoever your person is to protect you on this play because this guy's built for something that they don't make anymore. Uh, but I think that he's going to be a great fit in Seattle because they have a lot of pieces on defense that you could utilize in that way. They have good young linebackers. They have a good secondary. Hopefully they're able to retain the pro bowler and Julian Love and Quandre Diggs, but Witherspoon is going to be used in the same way that Kyle Hamilton was. Um I think they got great corners on the outside. I think uh, Tariq Woolen is still a great corner. I know he had a down year tackling, but he did a great job in coverage. The things that he struggled with are correctable. Um, I think it's a great fit. Who their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator is is going to make a huge difference. Obviously, the reason they haven't hired a defensive coordinator is because McDonald's going to call the defense, and not a lot of guys are willing to walk into a situation where they're not going to get credit. So – who they get? Uh, right. It's not going to be anybody you know. Exactly. <clears throat> but they apparently Seattle just hired a defensive coordinator, but it's not going to be a big name because he's not giving them that power. He, they're not going to call the defense, and nobody's stepping in 
it, if they have other opportunities into a situation where they're not going to get credit for calling the defense. So if the defense is number one in the land, they're going to be like, well, I mean, we're not going to steal your head coach and you don't call the defense, so it's nothing. And so you want to walk into a situation if you have opportunities to be in a situation where you get credit for calling defense, good, bad, or indifferent, it's on you. And so I think that's why people aren't like jumping off the, the roof to go interview for that spot because same in, as in Washington, they're not calling defense. The head coaches are in time yeah. to get a head coaching position from those spots. Well, for me, it seemed the obvious route was get back to basics. You know, Seattle was always known. The Legion of Boom, something you started for their defense, right? And it seemed like that identity kind of shifted over the, ever since you, since you guys all left, right? This is a smart hire, in my opinion. Right. Now, now the eyes kind of shift a little bit back to Geno Smith. Do you, do you still have faith in him as the guy in Seattle? Yeah, yeah, I still have total faith in Geno. I got faith in K-9. I got faith in their weapons. I think it's tough to win in this league. And I, that's why it was so weird that they fired Pete. But I understand, you know, you're ready to move. Jody Allen's hearing all these whispers like, well, new hot coaches. Like, we got to try something new, something different. The difference is not always better. And I think they'll find out, you know, over time. But I think McDonald will do a great job. I think schematically he's going to do a great job. He's going to give Kyle problems. He's going to give McVay problems, even though McVay had some success against them um, when they played this year. Baltimore won on that overtime pump return. Uh, but I think – at the end of the day, those guys are still good players. DK is still a good player. Tyler Lockett, JSN is going to be a good player. K9, those two tackles are still yep. good. They got banged up throughout the season, so there was some shuffling on the offensive line. That's always tough to deal with. So there'll be some better play next year, and they weren't an awful team. They weren't a 4-12 and or 4-13, and you know, 5-12 and team. They were a 9-8 and team. They were a winning team that just missed the playoffs. And so I think there's a lot of – optimism to be seen and I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing defensively and if it's a drastic difference there was a lot of big names that uh, we expected to get you know named head coaches that are still on the market what, what's the biggest name that you're surprised did not get a job mm. biggest name that's on the market that didn't get uh, Eric B is probably the biggest that didn't even get a coordinator job um, which is which is concerning uh, because I don't, I didn't hear the the negatives that everybody else heard, but now I'm starting to like he's just a hard nosed old school coach, which just isn't great for millennials, um, you know. And that's the unfortunate truth of how we're doing. They're soft, and they're co they got to be coached a certain way, you know. That's why, that's why these guys, that's why Saban retired from Alabama. He said I can't do it anymore. I've got to pay kids and convince them to stay when winning isn't just enough. I can't guarantee you a million dollars. I can't guarantee you all this. I can guarantee you if you play well and you do what I ask you to do, you'll go to the NFL, you'll you'll make a lot of money, you'll win national championships. And when that's not enough, Mitchell, it's tough. Because every year, regardless of how well you do, regardless of how well you coach, guys are going to come to you having awkward conversations about how much money they're going to make the next year. And college coaches, that's why they don't coach in the National Football League because they don't want to have those conversations. They don't want to deal with that. And so they coach college. And now they have to deal with that in college. Saban's like, all right. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not about to talk to this 18-year-old to this kid who does absolutely nothing for my team and try to convince him to stay on my team and not transfer to Ohio State because he wants to get paid a million dollars to sit on the bench for my team. 
I got you. It's going to be tough. I don't ever want to coach college. I don't know if I want to coach at all. Maybe in 10 years, Mitchell, when I'm done saying what I got to say about the league, I'll, I'll give coaching a shot. Um, hopefully the, the, the game has changed. Well, Richard, it's a huge topic, and you went there, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question about it. You've always been an advocate for college players getting compensated somehow, mm -hmm. right? No question. But how? what you just said is it's not working the way it is right now. How do you fix this landscape of NCAA sports in general? Well, it's the NCAA's fault, you greedy bastards. They're greedy bastards. If they weren't greedy bastards, they, they would have they been able to institute a system already when they first started to have these conversations. They would have started to work on it. But instead, they said, hey – we're not going to work on it at all. We're just going to fight these kids tooth and nail and tell them they don't deserve anything while we're paying our executives $10, $15 million a year. And when you're greedy like that, you're going to always have to deal with the consequences because now, now it's Pandora's box is open and you can't get everything back in the box because you lost your power being greedy. If you would have said, hey, fine, we'll give each team, each team is allocated $15 million a year to figure out what they want to do. We regulate it like this. We put these rules in place. We, do, we police it like we do every other aspect of, of college sports. We put rules in, regulations. you got to abide by these rules or else there's consequences, there, there's penalties. But when you lose in court because you were too greedy, then you lose the ability to regulate it. And now they're trying to get to the point where they say, hey, the top – 40 schools, the biggest 40 schools, we're going to regulate you, and hopefully everybody else falls in line. But it's the way you do it is the NCAA needed to do something before, Mitchell. I don't know if they'll ever get back to that point. I don't know if it'll ever be organized enough or regulated enough that you can keep these kids here. You know, I think they'll get to the point where they're not, they're not having kids in college for seven years, eight years, but – I think they have to get to a point where they say, hey, you don't get to transfer, and if you transfer, you got to sit out a year. Under, Otherwise, it's, it's, it's going to continue to be ridiculous because kids will continue to threaten with that. Hey, hey, I'm your quarterback. I just had a Heisman season. They're offering me $10 million. What are you doing for me? I'm like, well, I mean, we're going to give you money, but like, we can't afford $10 million. Well, you can't afford to keep me. I'm going to go to Oregon, or I'm going to Alabama, or I'm going to another situation – and it, it will never – it'll never be a fun – it will stop being a fun sport to watch if this keeps happening. Yeah. I mean, these guys that stuck with and grew through a program, you know, they're no longer. It, the loyalty of the game seems to be gone, and the NCAA seemed to lose all control. So I don't know how you fix it. But And then on top of that, Rich, you got these mega conferences joining. I mean, the Big Ten just got three West Coast teams – or four West Coast teams. Right. I mean, it's it's becoming mayhem, and, and we'll see what transpires with it, Rich. But this has been a blast. I'm going to let you sign us off here as we conclude you know, our, our Super Bowl week here at the win. Well, thank you guys for joining us again. This has been fun. This has been a great time. Um, congratulations to the Hall of Fame class of 2024. They got some great guys, some guys I competed against. They Andre the Giants in there. Uh, Devin Hester, who, who, who was with us in one of the playoff runs in Seattle, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, it's, been, it's been a fantastic thing to be a part of. Obviously, Pat Willis with the San Francisco 49ers had a very short career. People, people were concerned he wouldn't go in when he should have. He should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, clearly one of the best to ever play the position. But sometimes length of career matters. So I'm grateful to see him going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the all-time greats. 
Uh, it's been a fun time in Vegas. We hope that it ends the way it's supposed to with a San Francisco 49ers win. That would make this week marvelous, Mitchell. Uh, McCaffrey got FedEx ground player of the year. Brock Purdy, air player of the year. Willis went into the, to the Hall of Fame. You ended with a, the quest for six, ending in Las Vegas in the Raider Stadium. There's some San Francisco 49ers fans in the Bay that could not get a sweeter gift in their lifetime, Mitchell. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you guys joining us, sticking with us through all these episodes. It's been a fantastic year. Grateful for it. The Volume. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.